traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. The latest breaking news and opinions. Entertaining and informative. Hey, where are we going to watch the war? Where do you guys want to watch the war? Should we watch it at my house? Should we watch it at your house? Uh, talking about the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, thanks, Joe. It's going to happen. Uh, why, why wouldn't it? The only reason why it won't happen is if Vladimir Putin somehow thinks, well, it, everyone will think that I am only going because Joe said go, so I don't want to go. Uh, I could see Vladimir Putin saying no thank you uh, because of that, but it looks like the stage is set for an invasion of Ukraine, and what a horrible thing, because people will die. Uh, Joe obviously has never been in combat, never been near a battlefield or a gun or anything like that. So he doesn't know that a minor incursion. Hey, if you're a if you're having a gunfight in the Bronx, all right, that's a uh, in military terms, that's minor. Right. Two guys with a gun, three guys, you know, bang, 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 back and forth. From a military perspective, that's not a big deal. If you're in the middle of it, it's a huge deal. It's the biggest thing that's going on in the world. Um, it looks like Joe Biden has blew it really, really bad. I mean, and it's just his dumb words speaking when he should have shut up. Why did he have to have a two-hour press conference? Why? Who was he showing off for? What is that all? It just is it was all unnecessary, and now it looks like there will be a war. You know, I'm looking at right now Richard Engel. Yes, he's on the fake news, but you know what? Uh, he's actually pretty good. Sometimes he uh, he wets his pants when the bullet starts flying, but uh, he's he's pretty good. He's got great sources, and uh, it looks imminent. It looks imminent, and we're saying, uh, don't do it, don't do it. But then we say, well, you probably have no choice but to do it, so it looks like it's going to get done. Really bad. This is uh, directly on Joe Biden, his weakness, his um, the defeats that we've seen. The rest of the world is like, uh, yeah, this is our opportunity to settle some scores, to do what we want. I'm hearing right now that Biden, the Biden administration, they want to engage Germany on this. Germany is obviously very important in Europe and they are very influential. Germany is saying, no, thanks. We're not available right now. Call us uh uh, some other time, they don't want to talk. And how can they get away with that? Because Joe Biden is weak. And guess what? Everybody saw it. The fake news will not acknowledge it. Uh, they just uh, pretending. Uh, they don't pretend to themselves. They know better. They do know better. You can't deny any of this stuff. So it's uh, it's incredible. One, These are, you know, politics. You see all these stupid TV shows, you know, hardball, and it just seems like a great big game. It's not. It's not. It's... Um, it's really important stuff. You know what's not important? White supremacy. White supremacy. It's um, for those four white supremacists who exist. Uh, you guys are total jerks. And if you break the law, uh, I want to see you guys thrown in jail. But if you want to think a stupid way, you can. But the whole government should not be obsessed with you. 
as they are, for political points, creating this false um, idea of the great big white menace, and that's keeping uh, people of color down. And uh, why do they push this? Because they can politically benefit. Uh, Now, we have to ignore, with that in mind, you have to ignore genuine terrorism. You even have to ignore genuine domestic terrorism. It's domestic when it happens in America, right? Kind of. In Texas, that guy took over a synagogue. And he hates Jewish people. And he was calling for other Muslim extremists to come to America and screw it up. To F with us. This is Malik Akram. This isn't from two years ago. It's from last Saturday night. As he holds a gun pointed at three Jewish Jewish folks, including a rabbi. And he makes a goodbye phone call. To his fellow nut job, which to his credit, the nut job, maybe I shouldn't call him that because he tried to talk him out of it. But he gives him a call on the phone and listen to what Malik Akram has to say about his predicament and America and what other Muslim extremists should do. Cut 19. You know, I'm in America. You know, I thought I'll just kiss my last goodbye to you. Know? Well, what's happened? You know, I've took some hostages on. You know, I've been surrounded by all my men. I'm in a synagogue, yeah? I've come to die. But, but I need to do that. Why are you doing I, I've come to die. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take them toe to toe. Anyway, listen. I promised my brother when I washed him on that deathbed that I'm gonna go down as a martyr. I ain't gonna let no more suppress me. I've come to die, G. But you're not, come on. Okay. I prayed for Allah for two years for this. I'm telling you. They, either you come for it or they send it. I'm coming back home in a body bag. Not, I'm opening the doors for every youngster to enter America and. F- with them. So they let him die and they didn't release him, but guess what? Maybe they'll have compassion for f***ing Jews, but come in f***ing America and f*** with them if they want to f***. They'll give him f***ing war. You get all that? That's Malik Akram saying goodbye to somebody. Now, he was shot to death by law enforcement, as he should have been when you're holding hostages. You are immediately a... Uh... A valid target. You can actually shoot somebody even when they don't have a gun if they're holding hostages inside a building or something like that. You can shoot them. You can shoot to kill. Not like you, Lieutenant Byrd and Ashley Babbitt. No. This was a valid – this was a righteous kill. And no hostages were lost. So (laughs) listen to how the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, characterizes this. Does this seem like they're on the up and up? Is this the FBI that you knew and loved? Cut 18. We do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive and, and we will continue on that path. That guy sounded like he was discreet about his motive. He's <laughs> telling everybody to come over here and F America up. He's going to kill everybody and he hates the Jews. Now, when the whole world was walk- watching, that's how the FBI spun it. This is like a version of Benghazi. For whatever reason, Democrats don't want to be honest about terrorism, domestic terrorism, where it's really coming from. White supremacists, no. Muslim extremists, yes. And you deny the problem. And when you deny the problem, guess what? The real culprits get away. It's no joke. It's really happening. Um, (laughs) All right. What else is going on? Uh, There are a couple of wild things still I'm learning from that press conference. I know it's getting a little bit it's a little it's a little bit done. 
But at one point, Joe Biden says, uh, I'm going to change in year two. I'm going to uh, get out more. I'm going to get out. I got to see the people. Now, I've heard this before from other American presidents. You know why they got to get out and see the people? Because they feel cut off. They want to know what's on the people's minds. They want to talk to them. They want to they want feedback. They want to know what's going on in their lives. Bill Clinton talk about, talked about this all the time. I need to get out into the community and know what they're thinking because you can get cut off in the White House. And uh, because everything I need is brought to me at the White House. I mean, everything. So uh, Joe Biden said, and I wish I had this. I don't actually have it handy. I'm going to play it on the Newsmax show tonight. He starts saying the same thing that, you know, I'm going to get out of the White House more often. Because, and I'm like, okay, because uh, he needs to see people, right? Yeah. I need to see people look me in the eye and know that I'm sincere. Wait, what? I need for people to be able to look me in the eye and know that I'm sincere and connect with them. And then he says, I'll give you an example. Uh, 25 years ago, I fought for the Voting Rights Act, and I worked with Strom Thurmond. He needs to get out more so he can brag about stuff he did 25 years ago. And you can look him in the eye and not tell him about your issues, your plight, whatever is on your mind. American citizen. He works for us, by the way. You're supposed to see his sincerity and appreciate him. This is the fundamental issue with this guy. He's just... He's just a mess, and he's always been a mess. I can't get enough of this clip. Uh, it's Joe Biden getting busted. Well, this is actually before he gets busted. This is him committing the offense, lying about everything. Did we play this yesterday from college? Good. Actually, it's not college. He's talking about his college career in 1987. He's running for president. He's been a senator for 15 years. He talks about 15 years, by the way, back then like it was 50 years and he calls his job in the Senate a business. Well, I've been in this business for 15 years, and I think I know what I'm doing. Anyway, here's uh, Joe Biden actually trying to charm voters. He's actually trying to get people to vote for him. He's up in New Hampshire. And this is Joe Biden campaigning for president in 1987. Everything you're about to hear is a lie. Cut 23. What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, yes. could you quickly... I, I think, we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class, and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Wow, huh? Joe was mad. Joe was a great student, according to Joe, but not according to the transcripts, not according to everything else, everything he just said there was untrue and he said it as a full grown man united states senator on the national stage running for president um and back then the fake news wasn't afraid this is it you're going to hear some voices that you may not like like uh sam donaldson uh dan rather i think might be in this little uh, sequence here 
This is the fake news calling him out on every single one of those lies. Cut 24. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Wow, huh? Is <laughs> All right, so this story blows up. Joe Biden, the liar, and uh, he still thinks he can talk his way out of it. All right, he's uh, like, okay, well, all right, bad news cycle, but I can talk my way out of it. Um, the media gather, he has a press conference, he's going to try to explain. Not only did he lie about his academic credentials, he copied speeches, he used words from others, he didn't uh, offer attribution, he did all kinds of weird stuff. And here he is trying to talk his way out of it. And at this point, everybody kind of knows he's a maniac. And listen to the reporter's question. I mean, it's great. And he doesn't have much of a good answer. Uh, let's see here. Ah, uh, oh, here, here we go. Um, cut 25. 1987, Joe Biden, still a presidential candidate. Cut 25. Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and, uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to, uh, stand and you can make, you all can make that judgment. I feel very capable of, uh, using my mouth and sync with my mind. Well, we all know that, uh, <laughs> it's not working out that way. By the way, he makes the weirdest face when he says it, it looks worse than it sounds. Didn't sound that great. And he's always using, like so many, the flowery, flowery language, you know, the transgressions to which you refer. The transgressions to which you refer. Um, can he control his uh, his mouth in sync with his mind? Huh? I don't know. Uh, that was uh, 43, 45 years ago. Let's try uh, cut for uh, make that 35 years ago. Cut 26. This is Joe Biden uh, a bit more recently. I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. Wow, thanks. That's what the world needed to hear, huh? America giving Vladimir Putin the green light to do whatever the hell they want. And guess what? It's probably going to happen. And guess what? People, if it does happen, will die again. Thanks to Joe Biden. Be right back. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Uh, what do we think of Meatloaf? Uh, what do you say about Meatloaf? The uh, nice guy, uh, dead at the age of 74. That now seems rather young, doesn't it? Right? People live uh, longer than that. So it's, and everyone's going crazy with the coverage. Hey, that bat out of hell, bat out of hell was a classic. Um, do we have any of it? Let's go ahead and try it, huh? Well, I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday. Parking by the lake and Man. there was not another car inside. It's a really... Kids at school, they were wishing they were me that night. 
awesome. Now, when this song came out, my brother liked it. Not allowed to play that much. But can we play the Phil Rizzuto part? Do we have that too? All right, play that. all day long it's fantastic stuff it's so rich it's like an opera it's just so it's amazing stuff uh let's see here meatloaf died that guy was great very very talented very very smart guy a patriot as well he leaned conservative by the way and the performances were uh wild um by the way he was a real baseball expert he knew uh, all about baseball more than a lot of the pros now that phil rizzuto thing uh i think it was a bit of a well, <laughs> Phil did not know what he got himself into. He didn't know he was narrating a sex scene. He just thought he was talking baseball. When he found out, he was like, holy cow. I didn't know about that, but uh, all good. Rest in peace, Meatloaf. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. I, at the moment, don't have to call uh, Total Financial Freedom. I'm okay, but you know what? I've uh, I've been there before with uh, all kinds of, oh boy, credit card debt and that kind of thing. It's a long time ago, but uh, I was once in my 20s and I got a little bit in over my head on the credit card. And uh, I remember somebody encouraged me to get a credit card. I didn't really need one or want one. And they're like, you got to get it. It's free money. I'm like, it is? Yeah. Really? So sure, I'll sign me up for that. I got a I don't know, MasterCard, whatever the hell it was, with an incredible rate. And, well, I'll just pay the uh, $18 minimum or the 24 I had no financial acumen, skill, nothing. Anyway, um, that became a bit of a burden, and I was uh, running around. Um, I was also at sea quite a bit. I mean, not to, not to uh, blame this on Uncle Sam or the government, but I was getting on ships and going away, and uh, I wasn't exactly answering my mail diligently, and... Anyway, one of those guys from a credit agency started calling, and um, Mr. Robbins, I'll always remember his name. Mr. Robbins is on the phone. He left messages for me everywhere, Mr. Robbins. I avoided him until he called my boss. Uh, Lieutenant Kelly, Mr. Robbins has been... Oh, my God. Uh, uh, uh. Now, by the way, Mr. Robbins broke the law right then and there. Uh, You're not allowed to uh, call anybody's employer about a debt matter. Uh, but somehow I found the money and uh, took care of it. But that can be that can be a real pain in the neck. So uh, Total Financial, we like those guys, good people. Uh, give them a call if you want, 800-297-7411, 800-297-7411. Uh, one way to be out of debt is to have a good-paying job, right? Um, Joy Reed 
That bigot is still on the air on MSNBC. I can't believe it, but uh, she really resents the idea that any federal money might go for some, that, that some white men might get some of these decent jobs in some of these packages that Joe Biden's talking about all the time, Build Back Better and whatnot. She said it out loud. She thinks it's, uh, it's wrong that white men will be getting employment, potentially, in uh, Joe Biden's America. Take a listen. The infrastructure bill um, that was passed was cleaved apart from what's now being called Build Back Better. And in a sense, it's a bill that's like a white guy employment act, right? There's going to be a lot of working class men that are going to get employed by that bill. But that's the very cohort that is much more likely to reward Republicans for that. That's who they vote for. Most, you know, working class white guys vote Republican. Yeah, and she didn't like that. And then she goes on, what about, you know, women and uh, people of color, like dividing us like that? By the way, lots of people of color, women vote. Hey, women made uh, Donald Trump president in 2016, right? So uh, just a horrible thing to say, a horrible way to look at the world. Uh, just the the worst. But there is this resentment in mainstream media on the left of uh, of middle America. And if you happen to be white, that that puts you uh, really they, they they look at you with contempt. Kind of amazing. Can you imagine it being the other way around? This is going to benefit black people. I mean, oh, first that would be racist. I think what the hell the way she characterizes it, yeah, it's 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 racism, and it's ugly, and it is tearing this country apart, and it has a real world effect. I told you all that microaggression and all that stuff that people are now complaining about and. Are you feeling it in the street, by the way? New York was a great city. Okay, technically, it's still New York. It's great. But, but, one of the things that made this city different from all the others, the subway system. Because rich people and poor people, everybody rode the subway. Not anymore. If you can afford it, you ain't going down there. I can afford it. I ain't going down there. I'm not. I haven't been on the subway in weeks. Uh, why not? Am I scared? Yeah. It's a confined area. There's very, there's nowhere to run when you're on a subway car. When some homeless guy gets in your face and, uh, uh, lists how, uh, it's always usually a lot of gibberish, but, uh, you know, it, it usually involves you giving them money and it's very, very, um, troubling. And I'm not going to go down there for the time being. A lot of people aren't taking the Long Island Railroad, I see, because they can work at home. Did you see this in the paper? Uh, They used to sell something like $300 million worth of monthly tickets a year. Monthly LIR, Metro North, $300 million, down to $49 million because of uh, COVID and whatever. And people are working from home and, well, okay, but what about, okay, that's good for them. What about everybody else? What about the cafeteria in the bottom of the building what about the newspaper stand what about the shoe shine guy hey by the way what about the shoe shine guy uh i got to admit i uh that's where i get my shoes shined i don't like this i mean is there a, do those guys exist anymore can you get your shoes shined i used to actually really enjoy it because it was kind of like a little bit of a foot massage you know what i mean it actually feels good when you get it done and your shoes look great eric adams has very little respect for that job did you see that the other day yeah so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Joy Reid, 
I, I it sounds overly simplistic, but I really I think she really resents people who don't look like her. All right. Joe Biden had a colossal uh, screw up the other day. Many of them. Terrible, terrible press conference. But the fake news thought it was dynamite. Listen to this. I can't believe they said this stuff with a straight face, straight faces. Cut 31. On behalf of the Correspondents Association, thank you very much for, for, for standing for our questions. We hope the public has found it as enlightening as uh, those of them. Yeah, uh, the reporter actually said, oh, boy, this has been great. Thank you so much. They didn't ask about terrorism. They didn't ask about crime. It's all about climate change and build back better. Now, where do I have everybody uh, then later that day? Uh, 36. Listen to this. Everybody giving him uh, positive reviews. Everybody uh, in the mainstream. The fact that he spoke for almost two hours, it shows that he has stamina, which is which is a big deal for a lot of Democrats right now. I think he kind of oozed relatability and being a good guy. And so I I think they should do this more often. You have to give him uh, credit for being willing to stand there for for two hours. And, you know, he took he took every question. He in some ways felt like an American who was trying to connect with other Americans who are frankly exhausted, who are frankly living through a pandemic and are feeling very gloomy. Um, I think that that was part of the emotional connection. Yeah, right, right. Uh, the emotional connection. He just exuded warmth and personal and emotional connection. Nasty, weird, mean guy. You heard him bad-mouthing everybody who disagrees with him on this bogus voting package. He was asked about that last week. He was making offensive comparisons. If Republicans don't agree with him, they're like that racist George Wallace or Bull Connor. So he was asked about that. Cut 21. You campaigned and and you ran on a return to civility. And I know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace. But you said that they would be sort of in the the same camp. No, Uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading in English. You, you, I assume you got into, into journalism because you like to write. Wow. How about that emotional uh, connecting huh, with the American people? Uh, so uh, I did a little research and I found the speech that that reporter was talking about. It happened last week, Joe. We can look it up. Cut 20. Consequential moments in history. They present a choice. Do you want to be the on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be in the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Yeah. Uh, all right, Joe, you can split hairs and say, well, I didn't call the guy Bull Connor. I just said he's like Bull Connor. I mean, what the hell? This is, uh, Joe, you're not good at this. He's just not smart enough to be the president, period. Hey, Will, are you upset? What's going on? Will's in Connecticut. Hi. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Biden's a big, fat liar. We all know it. Is that what you wanted to say? Yeah, he's a big, all right. fat liar. Fascinating. Thank you, Will. Bye. Um, uh, I'll say this about uh, Joe Biden. He's skinny. He's probably about 155 pounds. He does take care of himself, and his clothes are very, very expensive. He's a bit of a clothes horse, actually. Um so, oh, why is Tom Hanks getting involved in politics? What the hell is this all about? Tom Hanks made a stupid promotional video 
for Joe Biden's one year of failure that he's dressing up as uh, one year of success. Tom Hanks. Doesn't he have movies to make or money to spend? Cut 37. America has always built a brighter future. Yes, we are brave, brave enough to see the light and be the light we need to rebuild this country. We're strong. We are courageous. We are resilient. We are America, land of the brave. Hmm. A lot of platitudes there. Uh, but he did it for the Joe Biden inaugural committee. All right. This is a Joe Biden operation. And Joe Biden appears in this little thing after Tom Hanks, who looks, by the way, just like uh, the Breaking Bad guy, uh, Brian Cranston. He looks just like him now. Something's going on. Uh, cut 38. Joe Biden wrapping things up. I've long said it's never been a good bet to bet against America. And that's more true today than ever. I've never been more optimistic about America's future. There's nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. It's just words. It just sounds nice in the moment. People are betting against America right now. Our prestige, our status, our strength, all of it is in on the decline. Russia's about to blow off the world, especially America, and invade Ukraine. Georgia, uh, Germany wouldn't even take our phone calls. And here he is, uh, optimistic. I've never been more optimistic about America's future. He pressed the optimistic button. But this is Joe. This is the Joe we've gotten to know and see over the past year. Cut 39. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. We'll be asking my Republican friends in Congress and states and cities and counties to stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and the sacred right to vote. Have you no shame? Have you no shame? You disagree with me. Have you no shame? What a optimistic guy, huh? This is... Uh, I don't think we've ever been in this moment before. Hey, one thing, and uh, James Rosen is a friend of mine. He asked a great question about Joe Biden's um, mental acuity, sharpness, cognitive skills, because we all see they're in decline. And there's a poll that shows that most Americans have uh, have witnessed that. So everybody in the Beltway is talking about uh, Joe James Rosen and what he said. It's pretty wild. Um, and here's an example. On Morning Joe, there's all this uh, buzz about... Uh, the guy who asked the question, and they don't like it. They're so disrespectful. Listen to this. Uh, Morning Joe, who really is terrible, sitting there next to Mika. Do I have to go in again to the details about how they met? And there's Mika actually now has a stupid little industry. Know your worth. The woman who slept with the boss is all about know your worth and sits there and says nothing and rolls her eyes and reads 10 seconds of copy once an hour. Know your worth? What the hell is she worth? Professionally. I mean, all right. Uh, cut 33. He did go to the Fox News guy, and he went to the Newsmax guy, who I think the Newsmax guy asked if it was true that he actually met the alien. So give him credit for, for going to people that he knew was going to come at him with crazy questions. Very disrespectful of Newsmax. He doesn't watch Newsmax. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Or maybe he does, and he's deliberately lying. And I definitely could see Joe Scarborough doing that. So he's talking about the next day. Oh, wow, Joe was great. He had such endurance, and he took questions. Crazy questions from the Newsmax guy. Crazy questions from the Newsmax guy. Because Newsmax is crazy. 
Well, the Newsmax guy, James Rosen, asked the best question that's been asked of Joe Biden all year. It's the one that you wanted answered. Of course, Joe Biden didn't, but the question had to be asked. And listen to the style, quite frankly, the elegance in which this question and the the respect. It was a, it was a it was just I thought perfect. Cut thirty four. Thank you very much for this honor, James Rosen with Newsmax. I'd like to um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult found. 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Wow. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, Thank so you. the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness. Thank you. I have no idea. Not answer. Great question. That, what, what, what was wrong with that question? Listen to how the mainstream media take care of Joe. That, this is their reaction. This is Lawrence O'Donnell, of all people, who should know better. Cut 35. A reporter from Newsmax who deep, into the of this very long press conference asked a very personal question about joe biden it is an absolutely disgraceful question go to hell (laughs) these guys what sellouts uh sellouts did they have anything to sell to begin with anyway i'm glad he did oh by the way that guy who asked the question will be on my newsmax show tonight at seven o'clock be right back this is the greg kelly show I was right. Uh, Phil Rizzuto was uh, a little peeved after this. Uh, they kind of tricked him into doing this. They didn't. He didn't really know what he was getting into. And then, obviously, it's over-the-top sexual innuendo on the Meatloaf, Meatloaf song. And Bob Brown over there, our uh, news anchor, just told me that he remembers listening to Phil Rizzuto and talk about this. And he thought his career was over. He was really freaked out. The song became huge. There's a uh, sweet, lovable family man Phil Rizzuto seemingly narrating a sexual act by the dashboard light but anyway we forgave Phil Rizzuto a lot of people didn't think he needed forgiveness anyway I mean heck it was a you know look it was a rite of passage whatever you want to talk anyway the song became a classic uh, did not hurt Phil Rizzuto Many, many commercials for the money store and many Yankee, game, Yankee games, the play-by-play with uh, Bill White was the other guy, right? Was he the other guy that he worked with a lot? Bill White, was that that guy's name? Anybody remember? Seriously, what was that guy's name? Bill White? What was his name? Forgive me, but he was a former player, and I think he was a league official. He happened to be African-American. He was always Frank Messer. Was that the guy? There was another guy. Anyway, uh, Andrew in New Jersey. Hello? Yes. Never mind. Uh, John in Brooklyn. Yes. Hi, Greg. Um, 
I'm, I've called before. I'm calling from a unique perspective. I'm listening to the show while I'm in the hospital recovering from a stroke. What I wanted to say is I feel very strongly about all the crime that's happening in the city. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is that I've heard you say that you know that Soros was behind a lot of the corrupt uh, district attorneys. And yet Jessica Tarloff of, of Fox News was recently named as a contributor to the five. Mm. And I've heard on at least two occasions where she took issue with people from Fox about Soros. And it, it, it's sort of an article of faith that he's behind a, a lot of this uh, corruption. Well, and wait, so you say, hold on. Older. I mean, he's raised money for these guys. We know that. He's funneled money to, uh, I don't even know who yeah. Jessica Tarloff is. I can't get worked up about this. But look, sir, okay. I'm glad Sorry. that you're uh, okay. You had a stroke. What happened? I, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is, I'm at home one day and um, trying to take care of my mom and myself, and I have a stroke. And I uh, have been in the hospital for the better part of two months now. And I, I, what I, happened I in the stroke? To... Were you just like, were you? What were you doing when you? And what? What did you feel? And what happened? I, I, I could feel something in my head sort of explode, and and I tried to stand up, and I couldn't stand because it was the kind that affects your uh, the direction in in which you're uh, you're in. Oh my and, gosh. Well, man, are you, how are you being treated in the hospital? Okay. Yeah, very well. Are you I, almost? I, I, are you almost out? Full recovery? What's up? I don't know yet. John, get well soon. Okay, I'm sorry about this. John. John. Yeah. yeah. All right, get well soon. Okay, I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Seventy-seven WABC Radio News. I hate to do this, and I won't do it for long. But Joe Biden is speaking right now in Washington, D.C. I just want to get a taste. Is he mad? Is he exasperated? Is he confused? Let's just figure it out, okay? Just a little while. A few seconds. Go ahead. Funding proven programs to help fight violent crime. We shouldn't be cutting funding for police departments. I propose increasing funding. Look, you know, we ask cops to do everything including be psychologists and social workers. Guess what? They need psychologists and social workers. All right. I got it. Enough. He's just kind of being, uh, he's being, um, he's pandering. That's what he's doing. He's pandering. He's talking to the uh, conference on mayors. He's just, did you see? He just said uh, increasing the funding for police. He didn't say that during the campaign. He agreed to defund the police during the campaign. He said police need psychologists and uh, psychiatrists. Um, Actually, he said uh, just about two weeks ago that the police should not be responding at all to certain situations. They should send psychiatrists and psychologists. And he said when somebody wants to jump off of a building, the cops don't have to come. Just send a psychiatrist or a psychologist. How many psychologists or psychiatrists are going to want to go up on the ledge and talk to the guy, huh? How about climbing up the Brooklyn Bridge and talking? These are the kinds of things that he does not know. He li- he doesn't know. How the hell would he know that? He got to the United States Senate, the most exclusive club in the world at 29. 
I hear about his dad all the time, his late father, who worked at a car store when he was working because Joe's always bad-mouthing him. He was always losing his job, getting too drunk, you know, down and out, this, that, and the other thing. Joe's dad is like whatever he needs in the moment, everything from a bum to a great guy to a poor man to a rich man, just all these all, never makes sense. He never talked to my dad after he got home when he was an emergency services unit commander. And tell me about the jobs they did where they had to go up to a on the Brooklyn Bridge to get some guy who's about to jump off. Because you know what happens when you send a psychiatrist up there or a psychologist? Well, what happens when the guy on the bridge decides he wants to take you with him? What happens if the guy changes his mind and wants to live? Okay, then what? Your work is not done. <laughs> Your work is not done. You need ropes. You need cables. You need nets. You need you need a lot of stuff. And you need money for that stuff. All right. <laughs> Just, he's such a pandering fool. Give me a few more seconds. I want to see what Modi's in now. Just a fact. You've been <laughs> critical partners in that fight from day one, from masking to testing to vaccinations. We partner with you. We partnered with you on the mayor's challenge last summer, 115 cities working together to get Americans vaccinated. In Richmond, Mayor Stoney, you created vaccination clinics that doubled the job fair, and right. doubled his job fair. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mayor Stoney of Richmond, Virginia, thank you. Just a wild guess here. Mayor Stoney of Richmond, Virginia is a Democrat. And I have a feeling, actually that he might be a person of color because Joe's been doing a lot of pandering there. Let's just see. Mayor of Richmond, Virginia, Mayor Stoney. Bing, 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 bing. He is a Democrat. He is 40 years old. Young man. Happens to be, what a coincidence, a person of color. And Joe is sucking up to him. Uh, that's uh, that's how it works. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about mayors. This is not against you, Mayor Stoney. This is against the uh, the idiot who's, um, I believe, taking advantage of you. Wow, okay, get this. Mayor Stoney is from Long Island. Long Island. He was born in Nassau County 40 years ago. Uh, when he was seven years old, he moved with his younger brother to Virginia's Hampton Roads area. Uh, I became the quarterback on the football team and uh, James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia, solid school. He was the first African-American male elected president of the student government and involved with the school's chapter. Uh Uh-oh. In 2016, he divorced his wife of four years. Anyway, they always have the little personal section in here. And lots of people have that section. So um, I heard uh, I heard a pandering guy. At the U.S. Council of Mayors, Conference of Mayors. Adams was there yesterday. What the hell is that guy going to talk about? Adams has absolutely no skill in anything other than dressing. Man, he looks great. He has inexpensive suits, but he wears them very, very well. And that's, a, that's, that's an art. But the suit is empty, everybody. It's empty. There ain't nothing in it. 
And that's a shame for us because the problems that we face are monumental. They really are. All right. Um, Did I play you? Ooh. Now, do I want to do this Cory Booker thing? How do we feel about Cory Booker? You guys live in New Jersey. Andrew, you have any thoughts on uh, Cory Booker? Hello. Cory Booker, he's a completely different guy than he was when he was mayor. I worked at the Newark Museum, so he knew me. He would have events there. And then when I worked with the local Files News, I covered him. And it's two different guys. He was pro-business and pro-law enforcement. He praised Giuliani. He said he was going to pattern his mayoral ship after Giuliani. You have to make the city safe, and then businesses will come in. And so now he <laughs> he went. And I even told him once at an event, like, if you run for president, he was senator at the time, you want to be, like, include having, like, a two-parent father home and be a traditional, like, moderate dem. But he did the opposite. He went far left. And he changed his personality, too. He he didn't used to talk with his eyes bugged out. <laughs> you know, he talked very nice and normal. Well, here he is. Here he is so talking he, with his, you know, with, with I know the emotionalism yeah. you're talking about. Stand by. Uh, I want to play you this. This is Cory Booker the other day on the Senate floor. Totally exaggerating, totally stirring the pot, totally creating a problem where there is none. Cut 40, please. In the United States today, (laughs) it is more difficult for the average African-American to vote than the average white American. That is not rhetoric. That is fact. We know that black voters on average are forced to wait online twice as long as white voters. We began this session today swearing an oath to that flag, saying that this would be a nation of liberty and justice for all. Where is the justice in a nation that there is, on average, for a black person twice as long to vote? 90% of America, 90% of America waits online to vote less than 30 minutes. 90%, all right? It's not a huge problem. Look up his career. Go through it. I want to know the first time he ever mentioned anything about access to voting and voting, right? I think it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. This is the issue du jour that they can exploit, the far left, Democrats, the media. And they're trying to hurt Trump and they're trying to hurt us. Andrew, I'm sorry. Continue. What else, man? You're right. You brought out that – First of all, that's not true, and I lived right next to Newark for 20 years and worked for another 10 or more, and I never once in the history of 30 years saw voting lines at all. You know, I never saw long lines or African-American people. So that's a myth, what he's saying. And like you brought out on your show that even if that was true, well, he was the mayor for eight years. He's a New Jersey senator. It's been run by Democrats by black Democrats since the early 1970s or mid-1970s. <laughs> so why, if it was true, why didn't they fix the problem? Because it's, and, well, you're right, right. It's, it's not true. It's, hey, but that's not what you called yeah. about. What else, man? It was great. You had the Thai woman on and uh, because... The woman from Thailand who was uh, jumped on the yeah. subway tracks, yeah. And my wife's from Thailand and she was worried with the attacks on Asians, but what my mom and I talked to her and said you don't live in a blue area in a blue city you only have to worry if you're in new york city or los angeles 
So that's another thing. When the Democrats run the cities, look what happens. People, Asian people get attacked. But you don't see that in red areas. And also, I want to give you credit because when they can't blame it on Trump or if it's not a white person, usually the attackers are black men on Asians in the city. So they kind of sweep that under the rug. And you bring that out. Plus, Ashley Babbitt, you always keep her in, the, in our thoughts. So you bring out the stories that the mainstream doesn't fit their narrative. So they the woman wasn't going to blame Trump. Yep. So they didn't. You know, they're not going to put her on the TV unless she badmouths Trump. Andrew, thank you for watching the show. You're catching all the nuances we are, we're trying to bring out. Thank you very much. Uh, best to your wife. Hey, oh, he, we lost him. Uh, all right. Uh, wanted to find out about the backstory, how they met and all that stuff. And um, I find that very interesting, actually, how people come together. Um, all right. One, one more. Matt in Connecticut. Yes, sir. Greg. Thanks for the meatloaf tribute earlier. It's great. I just want to mention the guy behind meatloaf. He deserves to be recognized. Todd Rundgren. The producer. Yeah. Of the Bat Out of Hell album. What? I figured you you knew that. But uh, they could not find anybody to produce that album. They went all over the place. And Rundgren was the guy who stepped up, saw the beauty in it. And then he not only produced it, he played on it. And then he found them a record company. Out in Cleveland, the only one that would be willing to put it out. And the rest is history. You sound like a yeah, a Todd Rundgren, by the way. I was thinking about him recently. He's alive and well because he's alive was, and well is right. Well, they played he's his boring. song. He's, they played his song and the, they played his song in the Sex and the City show. And and then I did a deep dive on that guy. So wait, what I wanted to ask oh, you. Man. Hey, you know when you Google something, a Google a song, you know what did you notice oh, that yeah. they almost never tell you who sang it? often nah. they leave that out. They nah. tell you who produced it, and they also it's hard to find out where songs are recorded. I'd love to know yeah. where the song and when it was recorded. Um, how do you know so much about music? Oh, my God. I, my, my, thank God my parents, I was raised in the 60s, to Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy, the whole. And I, they also let, let me listen to the Beatles, the Stones. And I, I just evolved from there, a classic oh. rock fan. And I just think that generation, the 60s and 70s, is the best era of music ever. There's just so much greatness there, and uh, I feel bad for these kids today with this streaming BS. Well, I mean, they're just they're missing so much. I wonder, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm not writing off the. Look, I just found two songs that I really like. I like that Dua Lipa song, the uh, Elton oh, God, John. Right. God bless you. You don't like that? I, I, I pretty much have stopped listening. No, 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 no. I mean, that's a mistake. We got to be. You got you got to keep up with the times, man. You got it. You got it. Well, you keep, know what I'm doing, bud? What, what? This is what I'm doing. I'm going back instead of just listening to. I'm, I'm listening to like the greats, all their albums. I've been doing that with Sinatra. I've been doing that with the Beatles, the Stones. Just picking up albums that I never really listened to before no. and getting them, listening to them, and finding beauty and you know, in their old albums that I never thought were great. Remember I've done that with Todd Rundgren. Remember, especially. all we had to do back then was look at the – you look at the damned uh, record album. There was nothing else to it was do. great. But, well, yeah. yeah, when you got a record album, you invite yeah. your friends over, and it was an event. And uh, it's another thing that's missing from our culture. And think of the time and the relationships you formed as kids doing that versus, you know, now you pick up a cell phone like you were just talking about Google a song. Hey, I like that song. Yeah, and, I know. But listen, let's face it. Our parents or our grandparents, they were complaining, oh, they just listened to the records. We used to go down to the nightclub. We used to go to <laughs> we used to go to the store club and hear them in person. You know what I mean? So you got to we got to stay up with the times. And I am trying uh, to I'm trying to I want to learn more new music and stuff like that and keep evolving. Thank you, Matt. Very good stuff. I'll be right back. 
Greg Kelly is on the air on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC National News Update. I'm Jennifer Grodd. Caitlyn Jenner has called on the National Collegiate Athletic Association to immediately stop transgender athletes like University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas from competing against their biological counterparts. Jenner's comments come after the UPenn swimmer broke two national women's records last month. The former athlete-turned-reality-TV star says biological boys should not be playing in women's sports. It's not good for the trans community. I mean, we have a lot of issues in the trans community that are very difficult and very challenging. We have a sub rate that's nine times higher than the general public. It's unfortunate that this is happening. Jenner says that she believes with transitioning comes a certain responsibility. On Capitol Hill, Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Thursday appeared to suggest that she is open to a ban on stock trading by members of Congress. This is a shift from her previous stance that members and their families should not be allowed to make financial transactions. The push for stricter stock trading regulations came after news broke that Senator Richard Burr may have broken federal insider trading laws when he liquidated the majority of stock investments in February of 2020. This was shortly after he received classified briefings regarding the COVID-19 virus. CNN host Van Jones blasted President Joe Biden as being foggy during his Wednesday press conference and compared him to an Alzheimer's suffering Ronald Reagan. You can be a foggy me meandering president, say like Reagan near the end, if you're winning. But if you're foggy and meandering on key questions and you're also not winning, uh, then you've got a real problem. 77-year-old Biden has been criticized over his cognitive health since he first started his presidential campaign. With your national news for 77 WABC, I'm Jennifer Grodd. It's about to hit home. To pay for mountains in federal aid, the government has printed massive amounts of money, dramatically weakening the U.S. dollar. According to some of the brightest minds on Wall Street, your money is about to hit a wall. That means inflation, more inflation, reduced purchasing power, and a shrinking portfolio. Mass money printing is a currency killer, and China could not be happier. Call now for a free copy of The Dollar's Last Stand. Uh, learn about debt cycles, hyperinflation, and the dollar's expiration date, because there is one. Most importantly, see if you qualify to trade your dollars for gold with an instant $5,000 gold credit. Call one 888 993-9332. The Chinese virus has crushed the American dollar. Please don't let it crush you. The world's largest hedge fund says diversify right now. Call 1-888-993-9332 for a free copy of The Dollar's Last Stand and see if you qualify to trade your paper bucks for solid gold with an instant $5,000 gold credit. Individual rates, coverage, offerings, and savings may vary, subject to terms and conditions not available in all areas. If you're a small business owner, listen up. Pi Insurance wants to give you one of those aha moments, the kind that could save you money. Workers' comp is probably one of the biggest costs you face. But did you know that insurance providers have flexibility in setting their prices? That's right. But many don't bother giving small businesses the savings you deserve. Instead, you can get lumped in with other businesses and overcharged. 
Pi Insurance was created to change that. With Pi, you get a quote tailored specifically to your business, and you could save up to 30% with no hassle and no hidden fees. And with helpful representatives just to call away, it's easy to understand why Pi is rated excellent by customers on Trustpilot. Take three minutes to see how much you could save with Pi Insurance. Ask your agent for Pi or go to trypi.com. That's T R Y P I E.com. Talk Radio 77. Hey, is everybody, is it possible that we have been looking at weight loss in the wrong way? Now, what do we do? Diet and exercise, right? Those are very, very hard. You know, you got to do some of it, but it's hard to stick to. And sometimes we shortchange ourselves because we don't take a look at the inside first. And that's what the experts at the Skinny Center do. They see what's lurking on the inside, biological factors as to why you might not be losing the weight you're capable of losing. They just have to make a couple of changes, okay? So they take an in-depth look um, at what's going on with you biologically. They give you a blood test, and they go through just about everything. It's very, very involved. Not for you. Don't worry. It's the same amount of blood, you know, standard blood test, but they evaluate it. And they find all kinds of things that may or may not be going on, and they treat you appropriately. Maybe you need this supplement. Maybe you need more of this in your diet or less. That kind of thing. It works. It works. It works. It works. They know what they're doing. Contact them today at 914-703-4811. That's 914-703-4811. Definitely worth a shot here. You can also go to theskinnycenter.com. That's theskinnycenter.com. This is The Greg Kelly Show. So I made fun on Instagram, no, uh, Twitter, of some girl band. Uh, it was always popping up all the time on my um, on my Instagram, little videos of these, I don't know, young girls dancing around. I mean, not that young. They're like 23 or something like that. And I didn't ask for it. I think I couldn't tell if it was a commercial or what's going on. And they're just dancing around on stage. They are very famous, but I've never heard of them. So I uh, I basically took to Twitter and I said, who the hell are these people? Um, quite frankly, they don't seem much in the way of dancers to me. I prefer Paula Abdullah, also known as Paula Abdul. <laughs> Sometimes if you put an extra letter in there, it really makes people mad, and uh, it's funny. So anyway, um, I do that and go about my day, you know, just – that's what Twitter's for. Random observations. What the hell? It's fun. People respond. People like it. People don't like it. Whatever. It's a big, great, big, messy conversation. Hey, I would like to be talking to more people, but nobody's talking to each other. Everyone's masked up. Everyone's isolated. You know. So this is a this is an outlet for me. I enjoy it. Well, watch out. I took I picked on the wrong girl band. About ten million people have been cyberbullying me nonstop for the past sixteen hours. How dare you! From all over the world, by the way, Rome, Bangkok, uh, Amsterdam, people are saying hideous things about me. And that's fine. I find it, quite frankly, funny. It doesn't it, – it's, it's, it's remarkable. It, but the one thing, the one thing that I keep seeing is, like, who is this guy? He's like 50. He's ancient. He's a fossil. He's so old. He's 50. So I did a little math. And I found out this girl group, uh, the, the the lead dancer there, who's not very good, by the way. She's not, uh, is 24. Now, let's round down to 20, all right? So I'm 30 years older than this group. 
And I, I didn't. I said I don't like them. I prefer Paula Abdul because their dancing is very conventional. Well, they're acting like I committed some sort of a hate crime. How dare you? It's just unbelievable. And the stuff when you when they accuse you of bullying, which I was not, they bully. You know, we got to cancel this fat old bully right now. Hey, fat old man, how dare you talk about like whoa? So I did a little research and I figured, okay, so she's tw- let's say she's she's twenty six years younger than me, but let's say she's thirty years. All right, let's make it simple. So, you know, when I was in New Orleans once, I met a. Uh, fortune teller and they looked at my hand and i don't believe this stuff by the way but i i i don't know it's something right and i've always had the sense as a kid that i'm gonna live to be like 120 i'm gonna have a very long life i could drop dead tomorrow i realize that but i just have the sense that i've got a very long life ahead of me and they tell me that there are going to be more hundred-plus-year-olds every year going forward like crazy. The first 150-year-old person is alive right now somewhere in the world. So I alerted these 10 million angry uh, girl band fanatics that when I'm 120, they will be 90. We'll all be senior citizens together. Oh, boy, that made them even madder. Uh, But a lot of fun. At Greg Kelly USA, at Greg Kelly USA on Twitter if you want to help me push back. Be right back. Hey, who remembers the uh, the Heimlich maneuver? I think it came around in the seventies. And if uh, somebody was choking, um, you know, you go over and you you wrap your arms around the guy and uh, you you pull in and uh, and the meat comes out hopefully and you save a life. It was a big deal. You don't hear about it as much anymore. It used to be signs in the in the restaurants. Well, there's something out there potentially even better, especially for kids. It's called LifeVac. And it's an anti-choking device. It has saved the lives of hundreds of people around the world. Uh, You're about to uh, hear the inventor of this thing, and he's the CEO of the company now, Arthur Lee. He developed this device in his garage after learning that a 7-year-old child had choked to death. Now, LifeAct is an FDA-registered international company. Uh, they've been recognized all over the world. Uh, they've gotten a hell of a lot of media attention. And LifeVac is something that uh, you may want to have on hand. Arthur Lee, are you there, sir? I am, Greg. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, the awareness both on this challenge of these knockoffs and that it, there is an option is really uh, important. And I appreciate your voice for people. Sure. Hey, thank you. Look, thanks for this machine. Now, hey, number one. You really you put it together in your garage, huh? I mean, uh, tell us a story. You heard somebody died uh, at seven choking, and then what'd you do? Well, I'm blessed. My dad was an engineer, worked on the space program. My sister's a doctor, so I grew up kind of learning and fixing, and you know the old school America. And so I had an inkling of how to build things. And I heard of a seven year old. My daughter was seven that choked to death. The procedures didn't work, and I was scared. And uh, having that resource base of an engineer and a a doctor i i pursued to find something super simple because i knew i'd be scared and uh it came up with a little plunger with a little valve you place it you push it you pull it and it sucks out the uh obstruction and you know we've saved over 170 kids now that is uh is pretty amazing wow right there in your garage and an idea inspiration you had the tools you had the talent 
Hey, where, first of all, before we talk about the uh, the current situation with China and everything like that, but where can I get a life back? And um, and how big are they, by the way? How does it actually work? Well, it, if you think about a little sink plunger, that's what it looks like, you know. And and when you push that down, normally you would push the, the object in, but we reverse engineered it with a valve system. So you push it down, the air vents out, and it creates a suction pop, and it pops it out. My vision and reality is place, push, pull. It's super simple. You panic, you, you pick it up, and you use it, and you could save a life. And it's lifeback.net. Is you can see the peer reviewed. You can see the uh, how it works, and you know really educate yourself and and be prepared. I mean, any parent, you know, we have fire extinguisher. This one child every five days dies, and my mission is to stop that. Lifevac.net. Lifevac v a c dot net. Uh, very cool. Uh, all right. So, what's the deal with? Uh, with China and uh, I guess what are you affected with the with the supply chain? What's happening right now? Well, the problem we have, and this is really the PSA part, and I appreciate you talking about it, is the FDA was unable to do inspections in China for about two years now because of the Omicron and the the coronavirus. And if you are, we were FDA inspected, and they're amazing, and they're detailed, and they're focused, and they're professional, and they're. If you are FDA uh, inspected and registered, you got a safe product, but we haven't been able to go to China and do it. You know, and the second thing in this country now, we kind of have a perception of having a bit of a weak border problem. So the those two combined are getting us flooded with fake medical products. In the last six months, there's been four of them knocking off us. The problem is if you take that piece of equipment, because I got one, right? I want to see what it was about. It'll fall apart. And yesterday, we saved a, a mom, saved her seven-month-old child. A grape had rolled under the counter. Baby was crawling around, popped it in her mouth. She's EMS trained. It didn't work. She took her life back out and saved the life. And my dad passed away one year today. He'd be proud. The life back she used was five years old. Hmm. If she had a knockoff and the, the public didn't know and they bought it, oh, it's good, the kid would be dead. It would fall apart. And the life back was designed to last forever. It's made in the USA. You know, so I guess my plea is, Obviously, I think it's important to have a life back, but in a general scope, buy an American-made medical product, particularly at this time. Do your research, buy America, it, it will be regulated, and it will be safe. I love it. Um, all right, so how do we make sure we're not getting one of the bogus uh, counterfeit ones? I mean, you already mentioned the website, lifevac.net, lifevac.net. That's the safest way, I would imagine. Go right there. I mean, a lot of people, though, automatically go to Amazon. So what should they do to not to make sure they're getting the real deal to make sure? Hello. I, I think I think in, for Lifeback, go to Lifeback USA. You'll see the product. You'll see Lifeback. You'll see it's made in the USA. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait, sorry. Sorry, Arthur. You said I want to make sure we got this right. You said Lifeback USA. Go to Lifeback. I'm sorry, Greg. Thank you. Lifeback.net. Okay. But the protection that us all Americans is it looked for made in the USA, right? That's your the, – the knockoff looks almost exactly like Lifeback, and I'm sure it's other products too. But to focus the safest way is made in the USA, 
and then make sure it's FDA registered because uh, they they escape that. All right. Well, wait. I mean, made in the USA. I mean, look, if these people will lie and imitate your product, won't they just throw up made in the USA on their website or whatever? They'll make a false promise, right? I mean, how do we make sure? How do we guarantee that we're getting the real deal? You get your the only way for LifeVac is to go to LifeVac.net. Yeah. You know, no, and sadly, you know, the problem we have is Amazon knows that this product is not FDA registered and they just ignore the complaints. And that's sad and scary. So I guess my second tier of protection would be go to LifeVac.net for us and really research the site and where you're buying your product from. Hey, you know what? I'd make um, like uh, Amazon could fix this problem in like 10 minutes, couldn't they? Yeah, I, I'm a little nervous of getting as angry as I would like to at Amazon. But, yeah, they, <laughs> we, we've had complaints from – I've had customers call me and say they bought my product and this piece of junk. And I said, well, sadly, you didn't buy my product. And they go to – and I tell them, return the product, go to Amazon. And they've come back to me, and they've told me. We raised it up the Amazon scale. We pointed out it's not FDA registered. That's against their rules. And every day, it's still up there. You know, can I ask you something? You say you don't want to make Amazon angry, and it's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, I can't remember what happened. Oh, yeah, there was that horrible hurricane in uh, the Midwest, and an Amazon warehouse was uh, partially destroyed. Several Amazon employees died. And the next day, what's his name? Jeff Bezos went up in that rocket ship, or, you know, they, they had a grand old time the very next day goofing around. And I'm like, I don't think this is right. And I pointed it out on Twitter. You know, I think Jeff Bezos is being a bit of a jerk right now, and I think he should tend to his company. And I was, I got a lot of uh, feedback, most of it positive. And I was like, why the hell isn't anybody else saying this? And then somebody tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you know, Amazon's, you know, Jeff Bezos is the most popular, I mean, most powerful guy in the world. And he's taking over vast portions of the media. So this is not a guy you necessarily want to tick off. And it did. Yeah, well, I got that going for me now, so that's good. But you know what? We got to have the cards to tell the truth. So whatever. If he shuts me down, then screw it. Yeah, no, I think, look, I just, it's funny, though. No, it just made me think, like, yeah, we don't want to necessarily tick off a billionaire. But you know what? There's no way Jeff Bezos would be cool with this. He doesn't want faulty equipment, and he doesn't want something breaking because it's not legit, not from your company, when it's needed, say, 5, 7, 10, 15 years from now. So we got to make sure. I would love it. You know, I hear that Jeff Bezos answers or sometimes looks at his own email. You can find out his email address. I'll, I'll get it to you, Arthur. You could probably find it out, too. But it's out there, and you can actually email Bezos directly. In the meantime, we all got to make sure we go to lifevac.net, lifevac.net. What else, man? No, man, that's awesome. I, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the interest in the space program and the reason LifeVac lasts forever, the reason it has a ball valve, the reason it's uh, the vent system so detailed was because of my dad. And, you know, he was part of the, the the generation to put a man on the moon that tried to do things we've never done. And in many scope, he lives on today with me because I made it last forever. You're not supposed to do that because you want to sell one every year. I made it for everyone. I made it inexpensive and I made it in America and today's the one-year anniversary of him leaving, and uh, me and you were talking. So that's yeah. pretty cool, Godwake. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. What was his name? 
is Arthur Lee. I'm the third. And he's the second. What do they do? You know Copies get a little worse after a while. I'm the third. <laughs> what did he do on the space program? He was involved in reliability on the LEM, the the craft that actually landed on the moon. Yeah. And, you know, they had to be, you know, their failure is not an option. So reliability was the core of his foundation. And like I said, why I built it the way I did. I love it. The lunar module made on Long Island. Yeah, that's right. Made that's on right. Long Island. Beth Page. Good stuff. I got to show you one day. I have the abort button that he gave me when I was a little kid. I got to show you. You'll love it. <laughs> well, I I need that button uh, handy on yeah. some of my yeah. television shows and whatnot every now and then. I hey, got, I got to run. Arthur Lee, everybody, check it out. Uh, LifeVac.net. LifeVac.net. You can save a kid's life with this thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now you know the whole story. Arthur, thanks for being with us. You're awesome, Greg. Thank you. All right. To be continued. And, uh, oh, your calls when I come back. And we got good stuff on tonight. Good stuff that the fake news wouldn't even dare, wouldn't even dream of sharing with you. Really, it's true. Uh, We got some old footage of Barack Obama saying things that would get him canceled by today's standards. Oh, and the guy who asked Joe Biden uh, about his mental health at the press conference, James Rosen, he's going to be on tonight. Should be a great show. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. So, where do we begin? Oh, the fake news. Breaking out. January 6th committee pouring through Trump White House documents. Oh, they have found, guess what? A bombshell. A new bombshell. This is going to do in Trump. Finally, right? No. No, 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 you silly worms. You silly worms. They're saying, okay, they found some sort of draft memo, whatever. It's just a bunch of crap. It really is. It's nonsense. It's noise. They're desperate. They'll do anything to stop this guy. Nothing worked. Access Hollywood didn't work. Taxes didn't work. Uh, Russiagate didn't work. The fake impeachment didn't work. January 6th will not work, is not working. The people are on his side, and that's what terrifies them. Now, the only document really that applies here, and Rudy can tell you in much greater detail, is the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It is a law. It is on the books. It was fully constitutional and legal and appropriate and all that stuff to explore this thing to its fullest. After the election, before January 20th, we had the right to have the, our concerns about the election explored, documented. Vice President Pence could have sent this stuff back to the state capitals. There is a legal mechanism. If you really listen carefully, by the way, every now and then they'll grumble about this Electoral Count Act of 1887. You know, when we were objecting, uh, when Ted Cruz objected, Paul Gosar objected, that's all legal. Now they say that's an insurrection. No, it's legal. It wasn't an insurrection when... Uh, Jamie Raskin did it. It wasn't an insurrection when uh, the Congressional Black Caucus did it in 2000. So, uh, hey, even Nancy Pelosi did it. Nancy Pelosi objected in 2004, 2005, actually, January of 2005. So, uh, boy, oh, boy, are they, they've never been faker. All right. Well, yes, they have. <laughs> it's more of the same. Uh, we are now at 2.52. I've got just a couple of minutes left. I'm going to go through this real quick. Uh, Chris in uh, 
He's in the upstate region. Where are you up there, Chris? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Good. Where are you upstate? I am currently in Monroe, so it's sort of upstate. Yeah, yeah kind of. You know. You're not that far. All right. What's up, man? All right. So you asked before, what you, you said, uh, I wish I knew whether that was recorded. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know how. So I was in, um, I, you know, I was a musician in the 90s, early 2000s. And I did a lot of recording in the Dutchess County, Ulster County area. And Todd Runger is a big, you know, he's he owned a couple of studios up there. And it turns out that Bat Out of Hell was recorded in a Bearsfield studio right up in the Hudson Valley here in Woodstock. Yeah, actually, right right outside of Woodstock, New York. Now, wait a second. Oh. Uh, did they do the whole album there? Because I heard it took a long time and they did it at multiple studios. Are you sure they did oh, the whole well, album up there? Primarily, that, that, because that's where Todd Rundgren is based. He does, you know, he works with a whole, a whole lot of musicians in the Hudson Valley. That's cool. I love it up there. That's very cool to know, Chris. You know what I mean, though. But, they don't always tell you that information right away. Elizabeth in Connecticut. No, I know. Thank you, Chris. Elizabeth in Connecticut. Hi. Hi, Greg. All right, quickly. So a nine-year-old was arrested with her mom and dad at the Museum of Natural History. Um, arrested. The police came and walked them to the, the police car and took them off. What but were they, they suspected of doing? Oh, they refused to show if they were vaccinated. Oh. Yeah. So this is really bad. And um, my friend who lives in the Upper West Side, her Dwayne Reed is robbed. The pharmacy is robbed on a daily basis, um, the drugs, <laughs> yeah. and they don't pursue it. That is pretty amazing. That is wild. Uh, that is so, wild. Gosh, yeah. So, so what's crazy to me is that this is not even on the fake news, so please share this. Um, yeah, I'll check your... it out. I'll check it out. You know, we haven't done that. Uh, we haven't done that story in a while. It's like, you know, when the cops showed up at the Applebee's. So I'll take a look at this. And oh, by the way, the Museum of Natural History, they took down. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. The Teddy Roosevelt statue in front. Now, apparently they said they also had it wasn't so much Teddy as the Indian who was next to Teddy. I don't buy it. This is so ludicrous. So no, ludicrous. So I looked up the board of trustees and it's all the Hollywood elite. Mm. Um, and that's that's who. So, like, nobody should go to the museum. No one should give their money to the museum. Now, hold on a second. I don't know if I'm no. going to subscribe yeah. to that. Now, what the hell else are we going to do? Sit down and watch videos all day long? Listen, Why? I can't. You know what? They charge a lot of money. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, hold on a second. All right. They still have decent stuff inside the museum. They got the great big. Uh, but Excuse me, excuse me, Elizabeth, they've got the dinosaur skeletons, they got that great big whale. I mean, kids are still going to, I'm not going to not take my daughter to the museum because of this stuff. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to skip it. I can't. I don't want to. You know what I mean? I can't. You know what? I know. I feel where you're coming from because I went with my six-year-old last, two years ago, and um, we love it. Yeah. And this, just wait until you watch what happens because... It's going to affect I'll you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go. I'll vandalize something while I'm there, and then I'll leave and protest. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Steve in New Jersey. Yes. Hey, Greg. Thanks for taking the call. All right, ma'am. Your, your recollections of Biden seem to go back as far as 1988 when he ran for president. I go back just a year before, 87. This is Joe Biden's most reprehensible moments. Ready? 87, nomination of Robert Bork by Ronald Reagan. He and his buddy Teddy Kennedy on the Senate floor. Remember, Joe Biden was the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee at that time, overseeing the confirmation. Teddy okay. Kennedy yeah, I know. Called, I know. Called Bork 
a, said he would take us back to the days of whips and chains of black people mm-hmm. and backroom alley abortions. But for the speech and debate clause, Bork could have sued both of them for defamation of character. Fast forward four years later, our only black justice on the Supreme Court, Biden tried to keep off through the statement, uncorroborated statements of Anita Hill, which in the worst case scenario, all right, were, were just two inappropriate comments. I'm not saying by that. By the way, they were made ten years earlier at a point where we're going through the sexual re- revolution. All right, and calm down. You're talking told. too fast, Steve. I, you know what? Uh, you just made me think of something. You're right. The allegations against uh, Clarence Thomas, yeah, were just verbal stuff that he's alleged Correct. to have said. He said out loud in a in a in a meeting that he thought that there was a what was it a pubic hair on top of his coke can and something like yeah. that. I mean, it, compared to what. The allegations are today. It's not that bad. So I look. So you're saying Biden was bad in the Senate, right? He was. He was horrendous. Yeah, he, I know. He I know. A, he was a nasty liar then, right. and and he. Uh, all right. But, yeah. No, but I get it. The fact, again. All right. You know. But, yeah. but again, Clarence. By the way, Clarence. Nobody ever asked George Bush this. All right. Why didn't you make Clarence Th- or uh, um, uh, um, Clarence all Thomas? Right. I don't know. Uh, what is what? Is all, right. Oh, okay, all right, but, Steve, uh, call me next week, okay? I got to go. Uh, and I got to get to Trisha because she's been on hold for a long time. And, Trisha, we're ending the week with you. I'm sorry, Larry, Tom, Thomas, Rachel, everybody else. Trisha, what's going on? Hello. Greg, comments about both nasty liar Joe and Jill, his wife. Besides, um, they're both liars. She's power-hungry and greedy. And if... <laughs> She may be trying to be another Edith Wilson, who, after Woodrow had a stroke and was incompetent, was acting as a, a president. Yeah, behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, she. At least she knows what "Let's Go Brandon" means, and Joe does. And Trisha, thank you. Have a great weekend. I'll see you tonight at seven on Newsmax. Thank you.